Every night in my dreams I see you I feel you That is how I know you Go on Far across the distance Canada's national treasure between (laughs) us You have come to show you Go on Near, far, wherever you are, I believe that the heart does go on. Okay. I just want to say as a random related aside, right after I read the More Than Meets the Eye issue, where Rewind actually says, I love you. Uh, it's it wasn't actually that song, but it was "I Will Always Love You" by Whitney Houston. Uh, came on like in a grocery store I was in, and I had to stop myself from bawling. Oh. <laughs> uh, no, I'm I'm afraid that whenever any Canadian is confronted with anything Titanic related, they must go into at least a couple verses of Celine Dion. <laughs> uh, because it's- welcome to Stasis Pod, the Transformers. Rescue Bots Podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Jen, and I will be podcasting tonight with my little baby kittens, Thor and Loki. Sea Phantom! Sea Phantom! Sea Phantom! He's not a chicken! Sea Phantom! Sea Phantom! Sea Phantom! He's a reed deco of overbite! Sea Phantom! Sea Phantom! I'm David. <laughs> and yes, today we, uh, we, we put... We are watching... Two VHS tapes worth of Phantom of the Sea. <laughs> when so I was working at a mall bookstore when this came out on VHS, and we did not normally carry movies. It was not a a time when you know your your bookstores had a movie section, but we absolutely got one of those like cardboard standees of Titanic on VHS. And I bet you sold a bunch of them. We sold a good number of them. Yeah, it was you know like you'd have them in. Anywhere you went, like, everyone had them. There were a lot of them. There are a lot of them in circulation. And it came back to haunt me later when I worked at a used bookstore. <laughs> no, I, I, I know I saw Titanic, I just don't remember when. But whenever I hear Titanic, the first thing that pops into my mind is Ghostbusters 2. <laughs> Ghostbusters yes. 2. Oh, well, better late than never. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I saw it in the theater with a girl. <laughs> I did not. I have no idea. Nor did I see it with a boy. I did, in fact, specifically go see a movie with a boy before I knew better. <laughs> At the time that Titanic was in the theater, but we went to see, what was it, American Werewolf in... Whichever Paris. one that was... That, yes, American that Werewolf in Paris. Oh, that oh. movie is terrible. Oh, that... <laughs> The CG in the commercials was just so bad. Oh, no. I mean, it's it's sub-Beast Wars. I like movies about disasters, but I'm not so much into movies about feelings. So, like, the I felt like, and it could have just been in the marketing, but I felt like the disaster to feelings. Like, no one seemed to be divorced, and I'm only really familiar with disaster well, movies in which the main character is divorced. Well, that's entirely Roland Emmerich. I mean, it was it was 1912. You really couldn't get divorced at the time. 
That's, that's respectfully. Fair. However, there is like a like a woman who is totally like breaking up with her awful fiance. Yeah, yeah you can break up with fiance, not a husband. Yeah, back then you would just by, go across uh, the ocean to leave your husband. As played <laughs> by the Phantom himself, Billy Zane. Oh yeah, he's a horrible <laughs> asshole in that movie. He's great. And and for and for more talk about Billy Zane, check out our Patreon this month. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, uh, as as someone whose sister is uh, getting heavy into genealogy, I'm definitely aware that back in those days, people would occasionally have intercourse with people who were not their married spouse. Oh, and uh, trust me, I, I mean, I, I, I was 12, I saw this in the theater, there was more intercourse than I was expecting. 12? <laughs> wow. 12. Oh, geez, it was 1997. 20? Wait. Yes. I think that was the age that I was when I insisted on going to see Batman Returns on opening weekend. Because I was edgy. Well, there's there's less nudity in Batman Returns, but definitely more weird sex stuff. Yeah. People just having regular, degular 1912 sex <laughs> in Titanic. Uh, but I will say, if you want the disaster, you could just watch like the last hour. That's yeah. fair. So, so the second VHS tape. Yes. Yeah, the set. Yeah, just pop in that second VHS tape. You won't. You get the good stuff. Uh, you definitely get a guy getting killed with one of, one of the propellers. Ooh. That's hmm. sort of in the background. Anyway. Anyway, so uh, this is the 56th episode of Transformers Rescue Bots, uh, first aired November 15th, 2014, uh, written by Greg Johnson, uh, who wrote several episodes of Beast Wars and then many episodes of uh, Rescue Bots' last scene writing Big Game. Oh, yeah. The the Quint Quarry episode. So, like, what, one, two episodes ago? Yes. Oh my god, someone seems to have decided that they're going to die if they don't get into the kitten room, so I'm going to stand up and go open the door real quick. Go on, carry on. Okay, so we open up, and it is a it is a foggy night in ye old Griffin Rock. <laughs> and, uh, you know, everybody's, everybody's on the ferry, they're on the pier, and they're looking out to sea, waiting for something. And the robots have no idea what's going on. Yeah, which when this episode started with the fog and people looking out, and I was expecting a lighthouse. Like, I was expecting the fog horn, not Titanic too. And like, there my is sea a, there is sort of a weird flute medley in the in the score of this episode that is one hundred percent a Titanic reference. <laughs> like it's it's the opening bit of My Heart Will Go On. <laughs> And specifically, it's, it's, uh, I mean, obviously everybody in town is interested in this, but Danny is very interested. Mm-hmm. Because, much, as they point out, she is very much into, interested in shipping. Yes. Yes, she is a shipper. And <laughs> this, this episode explained to me a definition of shipper I had never heard before, and it would be like the third or fourth on my possible thoughts of what a shipper is. Yes, yeah, so, uh, in the, in the, in the Griffin Rock context, a shipper is someone who is an enthusiast about the SS Phantom Voyager, 
Mm-hmm. Which is yeah, about the full fan- of a ship from the 20s. Also, it's it's very convenient that the Phantom Voyager was the ship that became a ghost ship. Yeah. It seems like, I mean, sailors are really superstitious to begin with. Like, that ship name just sounds like an incredibly bad omen. Like, we are just starting out with... <laughs> like, no one wants to be on that ship. Bad things are going to happen to that ship. Oh, the, oh, oh, the Phantom Voyager. That sounds like uh, me every time I try to go uh, toy hunting. <laughs> Yeah. I'm looking for that new bulkhead, but there's just a puff of smoke on the shelf where it used to be. <laughs> they only get new stock in every ten years when the, d- during a uh, during a squall at sea. So, yeah, the, the Phantom Voyager, it was supposed to make port. It was an ocean liner. It was supposed to make port in Griffin Rock in 1915. Uh, at which point its captain, uh, was it Ansel Ambrose... Uh, one of the first guys in the phone book. <laughs> yes. Uh, was supposed to uh, was supposed to make port here and then to marry his sweetheart Lillian. But instead, the ship was struck by lightning. Everyone evacuated, save for the captain, and then the ship vanished, only to appear once every ten years on a night just like tonight. <laughs> <laughs> it's always going to be just like tonight. And then the, the and then Lillian just waited apparently the rest of her life uh, waiting for the, the the Phantom Voyager to finally come she, uh, she was a real Miss Havisham everybody's very like into this story yes this sad tragic oh, yeah, story why are there no widow's walks on this island <laughs> I don't know and because uh, they're Maybe more beachfront houses. I, I almost wonder if this is a deliberate reference to all those like Hallmark romance movies that uh, Lacey Chabert <laughs> is in. I also <laughs> wonder. I mean, I, I I don't know if they have the budget to rent a cruise ship for one of those uh, movies, but this kind of seems like the plot <laughs> of one. I think there's like supernatural ones. They could just they could just be on a cruise ship and just be filming a movie, but like they're past. Or they could. Uh, they just paid passenger <laughs> rates. Uh, uh, bad news. That guy who played Riley on Buffy has food poisoning. F- <laughs> oh, find no. me the most handsome passenger and we can kind of walk him through it. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, everybody is watching. and uh, Oh, and uh, it's also at this point that they mentioned that uh, Danny recently... You know, to... to to make sure that, you know, to the to the boys watching that Danny is not a total gross girl, she also recently won the uh uh the family belching contest. Oh my goodness, Thor. Yes. <laughs> Cause they they don't want her to come off as like too fat. No. They have to, to make sure that the boys are still on board with And this. Uh, later in the episode they also have to mention that she can't cook. Yes. Well, they do that with some regularity. Yeah, she uh, she, she won Danny. that belching contest like some kind of Eudora Welty. <laughs> so there's a lot of science going on for this ghost ship. Yes, well, because uh, the Greens are out. They're on their uh, their floating lab, and they are attempt you know they are attempting to get to the bottom of this. And indeed, it does show up on the instruments. Initially, they think it's just you know it's a freighter because it's uh, you know they spot it every year and it's always a freighter. But th- no, this time it is there for real, complete with some. Uh, wacky purple energy effects. <gasps> dun dun, and lots of sparkles. Uh-huh. 
And so much to uh, much to Blades' displeasure, Daddy wants to go in for a closer look. Dot Green does note that this energy signature, its its strange energy signature, does seem familiar. Dun-dun. Yes. Coming, Eudora. That's, that's an old Simpsons gag. Anyway, um, so unfortunately, as soon as they get uh, within range of the boat... They get uh, they get lassoed by the uh, the ship's mysterious inhabitant, who we hear a piano scare chord playing whenever he comes close. <laughs> I love a good scare chord. Yes. It's very important. Yes. And so, of course, the other bots and uh, their human companions have to go over as well, leaving the uh, leaving the chief behind. But um, also, while they're out there checking out the ship. Uh, Danny explains to everyone this this whole backstory with the captain, and uh, Chase declares this to be a horrible story. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> about how his like fiance ended up looking for him for like the rest of her life. <laughs> it's like what a horrible story. <laughs> yes. Also, Danny threatens Blades when he doesn't want to go over. She says he'll she'll disassemble him. <laughs> no disassemble, Danny. <laughs> oh man, she's gonna sick Los Locos on him. No. His his ass, <laughs> face, and balls may be kicked into outer space. <laughs> Whichever ones of those he actually has. <laughs> Uh, so of course, you know they go over to rest to uh, attempt to rescue him. But unfortunately, it is then that the ship disappears, and they end up in the endless purple void. So it disappears into a very lovely shower of sparkles. Yes. Yeah. So d- d- first, I thought this was maybe going to be a monster movie. Then I say, like, oh, it's a Titanic, and then they were going, oh, oh, maybe it's going to be deep rising. No, no, no. Now we're in this Philadelphia experiment. <laughs> oh, you're right. It is a Philadelphia experiment. Yeah. Which is total bullshit. But it's a, one of those stupid movies I saw as a kid. It's like, oh, this could be real. No, that's totally not real. That's a dumb bullshit about some lying <laughs> asshole who claimed to be a scientist. Well, as long as it's not like the Philadelphia Experiment 2, which is the one where they go back in time and somehow come back in the future and Nazis have, con- have conquered America. Oh, weird. Oh. No, I, I prefer the body horror one where people get stuck in the boat. Oh, and they're like melted into the chairs? That yeah, is messed that's up. gruesome. I, I, I love horror. Well, I used to love horror shit like that as a kid. Now I have less <laughs> of a stomach for it. But yeah, we're... we're Floating in a purple audience void with no, like Blades asks, "Oh, should I fly for help? Fly to where?" <laughs> they can't nothing. hear the sea anymore. They, yeah. they can't hear anything. They are in the void. <gasps> it's where my Animal Crossing villagers go when they move out when they're waiting to move to another island. Oh no! I, I think it's before this where Blades asks, "Like, why is there not another flying Autobot? Why do I have to do all this dangerous stuff?" <laughs> Please. Maybe someone else will get a flying secondary mode at some point. We we do get a little boat mode in this episode. Got to sell yes. that boat. Yay! Anyway, so they I split up because mode. obviously the uh, the Autobots can't really go into the human scale sections of the ship, which was a nice touch. As often they kind of forget that, and everybody just has huge doors for some reason. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, they're it just not, has convenient robot-sized doors. Other than, like, Doc Green's place and various warehouses, they're not usually indoors that often. No. Or museum. Yeah, so so they, they they go down to the cargo hold. The uh, uh, Down there, they... Once again, somebody is creeping around and, uh, and <gasps> locks them in there. Dun-dun. Well, uh, well, the others get to the ballroom, which is uh, big. Sh- the Shining vibes. <laughs> yes. yes. Da, yeah. Da, 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 da. And the food is still fresh and warm, and well, good fish. and good enough for Cade to eat. Yeah. Yeah. Like, his first idea when he sees hundred-year-old food. Yeah, I'm going to eat that. I mean, I he smells year it. Old ham. It looks fresh. Mm, Presumably, ham. he verified that it didn't. Did indeed look fresh and not like horribly mummified. Well, he he did say it looked uh, better than his sister's cooking. So yes, we to get to dig in on Danny's cooking. And uh, then we uh, we encounter a ghost. Yes, except it is indeed Captain Ansel Ambrose, voiced by voice actor JB Blanc. He sounds a lot like Gary Chalk. He does sound like Gary Chalk. I had to look it up because I was like, "Is that Gary Chalk?" Uh, he's Brit. He's been in a whole bunch of things. Um, I remember him as Alfred in in that uh, "Beware the Batman" cartoon that I think only I watched. Uh-huh. Oh, it was, it like was of everybody in the world, only you watched it. That's how quickly it was canceled. So I'm going to assume so. <laughs> and it, it was it was a it was a Batman show, and yet it almost immediately got. Uh, shunted into like the the six a.m. death slot. Oh no! Well, maybe it should have been Teen Titans Go. Clearly. <laughs> oh, he, he's another voice actor from Naruto. He oh, voices yeah. a dog. Oh. <laughs> yeah, like, he's in a bunch sure. of Bleach. Oh, who the fuck is he in Bleach? Uh, let's see, Seijin Komamura. Koma. Why am I blanking? And again, I haven't seen Bleach in like almost a decade, so. And also a guy who's in a ton of video games. I hmm. like that, uh, according oh. to the TF Wiki, <laughs> he's Alfred in Beware the Batman and Bane in Arkham Origins. Because, you know, two very similar characters. <laughs> in Naruto, he voices a little dog, like a little pug looking thing. Uh-huh. In Bleach, he voices a wolf man. So he's just oh. a guy who plays a lot of dogs, I guess. Apparently. <laughs> Which would explains why I couldn't remember that name. I just remember, oh, the dog guy. Yeah. <laughs> the heck? Yeah. So, you know, he's very confused because to him, it's only been a few hours. Yes. And it's and thus to him, it's still 1915. So he's very confused everybody's strange garb and their mysterious Iron Men. I like that he has no idea what they are. Also, he is very confused as to why they have a flying machine with no wings. Yes. Oh, and also he's playing some creepy music on a gramophone. Uh, just for a little ambiance, I guess. Well, as you do. That's so, what I would do. So it, it turns out to him, he you know, he the, the ship is rematerializing every hour. Which means that we're in... There is a time dilation here, which means that for every hour that passes in this endless purple void, ten years pass in reality. Which is bad news, because they have just rematerialized in the real world again, and everyone's old. 
Well, yes. I guess we're having a, a time skip. We're just in the future now. Rest of the series, Frankie is now a young adult. Chief is older. Doc and Green is older. Guess that's just our new status quo. Doc Green has got full Doc Brown. <laughs> that would yeah, be oh great yeah. if it was just, well, this is our new status quo. Now. I mean, we, in an inconsequential episode, it, it would be neat. But yes, Doc Brown's hair has gone white, so he looks even more like Doc Brown. Yes. Yes. And yeah, Frankie's like a teenager, which is weird with uh, with Cody being still a child. Yeah, well, she just looks taller. The the, the dads have gone gray. Yes. Her. I mean, I guess if she's, she's like, I don't know, 12, so she's like 22 now. Yeah. Yeah. She's got her helicopter pilot's license. Yes. Hmm. But of course they are botless, so it's just a regular helicopter. Hmm. Boring. And, you know, obviously he is very relieved to see, you know, they're all relieved to see everybody. It's been a rough ten years for these people, clearly. Yeah. Yeah, They, I mean, Chief's whole family went missing. That's, uh, that's pretty rough. Yeah. It's not nothing. Anyway, so, um, so Doc Green apparently has spent the past ten years tracing that energy, and it turns out it comes from a, from that, uh, time machine. Or at least comes from a time machine. It's the time machine that we saw previously in uh, in It's a Bot Time and Bot mm. the Future. Yes. Yep, it was familiar because it was yeah. the same temporal... I don't think they call it temporal energy. Yeah. I just like temporal energy uh, as, as they were getting off the time machine that they already had. I wonder where that could have come from. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh-huh. So but they, also, just, I feel like you should, like, have to have... I mean, I realize that things were not as regulated back then, but I feel like maybe you should have to put, like, big warning signs on your time machine before you put it in the cargo hold and maybe, like, uh, ship it in pieces instead of being, <laughs> like, in, in its one functional piece, because... Yeah, shipping in pieces is a better idea. But just, like, what, what warning signs are you going to be on, like... We have not yet learned that lightning, if it hits this, will cause temporal distortions. But this note is here from a future person that put it on this device. Well, yes, but yes, but it's much cheaper to send it if I put it in the one package. <laughs> Which oh, wait, that, that's, I've got to that's pay a, a separate postage for my uh, my various time machine components. It's much easier if I have them all in the same package and all assembled, so I don't have to futz around with an Allen wrench once I actually get it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to them closing a loop we didn't know was a loop later. But where does this time machine end up? Is this still sitting on the island? Well, now? I guess it got to its... Uh, I, Wherever its destination was? Yeah, I'm not exactly sure. There's oh. some time stuff at the end. It's very confusing. And, but well, bef- wibbly-wobbly. It, it, it's not that serious about it, but yeah. And, of course, before this actually happens, the, the ferry that was full of looky-loos ten years in the future has collided with the ship. So, uh, as per the title of the show, we have to do some rescuing by bots. Yes. yes. They seem to have been just slightly off uh, off course of where they the ship was expected to show up. Yes. Are that, or it's getting cl- a little closer every time. Yeah, but you would think that they would have figured that out by now. But I, I mean, guess most of the time they were actually seeing freighters and not the actual ghost ships. So. Yes. Maybe they didn't actually have enough data to figure out the exact place it would be expected to reappear. 
And so we we do have a, a bit of a a traumatic choice for uh, for the chief because he obviously wants them to stay with him, but they think they can go back and fix all of this. Oh. And uh, not elaborating in this episode, this is, this presumably means erasing this guy's entire timeline. Yeah, yeah, like let's just destroy causality itself. Let's just. Sure. The longer you stay in alternate futures, the easier it is to delete those alternate futures. We gotta go back quick. <laughs> so, so they they get they uh, they get they get back on the ship. It disappears, and indeed they find uh, the uh, the time machine. Uh, care, which was sent to a Griff- to Griffin Rock, care of one Doctor Thaddeus Morocco. <laughs> dun dun dun. No one is surprised by this. Nope. Damn you, damn you Morocco, like, you international oh, Judas. That asshole. And we know that he is, like, crazy old. Yes. Well, we already learned that, like, he was, like, 150 or something. something. I'm, I don't know if we, I mean, we're eventually going to find... Well, we know that his... Uh, the de-aging machine he uses is the Vern device. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. Which was, of course, invented by famous uh, 18th century... Or sorry, uh, famous nineteenth-century scientist Ernest P. Worrell. <laughs> yes, and this time machine on the boat is sort of Jules Vernean time machine movie looking. Oh, it, it, it's got like the uh, the big levers and yeah. it's just it's spinning a big crystal in the middle. It's just missing the big spinning thing in the back. Although, of course, I don't, did, did Jules Verne write a time machine book? No, that was H. G. Wells. Yeah, H. G. Oh. Wells. Oh, okay. And it does very much resemble the time machine from, like, the 60s time machine movie. Well, yeah, that's the coolest one. It's a big big golden chariot. Is that James Mason? That's the best one. I don't remember. I just remember what it looks like and what the Morlocks look like. I may be... Oh, no, it was Rod... Let's see. Oh, no, Rod Taylor. And uh, also Alan Young, the man who would be... Uh, <gasps> yes! Scrooge McDuck! Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> Not the Alan Young who is a person we know. No. no okay. I, was, I was thinking of James Mason because, again, I'm confusing my Vern and my Wells because Mason is in uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Ah, okay. Which means that you will be spared Which for now is my terrible James Mason impression. <laughs> yes. That's for the best. Anyway, so we're so the plan is that they are going to put this time machine back ten years, and they are going to go back where they came from. But they're going to need some more juice, and unfortunately, unlike in Back to the Future, they don't know exactly when lightning is going to strike again. They do not have a convenient, historically notable lightning strike to to go off of. Yeah, that specifically hit a clock tower. The most convenient thing for it to hit. Yeah. And then they never bothered to fix it. But thankfully, they do have uh, some spare energon that uh, Blades just happens to keep on him in case he needs a snack. (laughs) (laughs) It's important. Also, Blades does seem most likely to just carry around snacks. Yes. So, fair. So they, uh, they they crank it back ten years, and they give uh, Ambrose instructions on cranking it back uh, ten clicks to go back to 1915. Ten so clicks they, and no more, no less. Yes. So that they can really destroy history. Yes. yes. So, so it goes through, as, as Blade says, more purple. That's good, right? 
And and yes, and they do indeed come back to uh, to, to from whence they departed moments later, uh, in the present day of what I guess is 2015. Hmm. And then the Phantom Voyage disappears for good. <sighs> Sparkles. And so so later it turns out that Ambrose did make it back to 1915 and did marry Lillian, which is raising all sorts of questions. Does the Phantom <laughs> Voyager still appear? So many time travel questions. Does Danny only know about this because she was on the time trip and not affected by the uh, wave of causality that altered the past? <laughs> lot of questions here that we are just not going to think too hard about. No, this is not hard science. This back. is not hard science fiction. This is some some nice, soft, gentle science fiction. Hmm. It's just going to be whatever is a fun story. So yes, Danny excitedly shows everybody a wedding photo of, of him and Lillian. And, and she's very excited about it. But maybe not as excited as uh, Cade, who lets out a real, uh, real high-pitched squee. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, but of course, he, he explains he's just practicing for the the burping tournament. Uh, at which point, uh, at which point, Danny shows him how it's done. <laughs> I want. I'm not sure if that's st- that might be uh, Maurice Lamarche. Hmm. <laughs> As he Doing can, a, a real good belch. He does a thing where he burps on command. Like, extremely, wow. like, there's a thing where they do that on uh, Animaniacs that was him. Oh. Okay. And then I believe it's also done in the episode of The Simpsons I was talking about earlier, in which uh, a visiting character from the critic, Jay Sherman, defeats Homer at burping. <laughs> Man, good old the critic. <laughs> it stinks. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that is the episode. I I enjoyed this one. I like nautical ghost ship stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Apart for- from its the the endings, excessive hand waving of time travel stuff, which you know it's. It's a kids show. Yeah. It's a little kids show, and we're just gonna. It's it's okay. We're not gonna think too hard about erasing anyone's timelines. And uh, also, thankfully, because this is a kids show, uh, the episode doesn't end with a bunch of people in the ballroom getting uh, cut in half with uh, metal wire, <laughs> uh, as happens in the two thousand movie Ghost Ship. Uh, I forgot if I saw that. Did I see that? I no. I feel like I might have seen that in the theater. Sorry, two thousand two. Hmm. No, I, I wouldn't have seen it in two thousand two. That's one with uh, it's got <laughs> Maybe Car- I saw a poster for it. I mean, it's you almost certainly saw the poster because it's like a big ship and it's got like a skull on the front. Yes, no. yes, I'm absolutely familiar with. And that. also, the tagline is "See Evil." S E A evil. <laughs> it's 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 a much less good uh ghost ship movie than um or you know, spooky late nineties, early aughts, spooky happenings at sea movie than Deep Rising. Mm-hmm. 
My my favorite spooky movie that takes place on a ship is uh, Event Horizon. <laughs> it, oh, oh, that one. That's a different kind of ship. Now, Deep Rising is a movie that I loved, and I so wished it had a sequel. <laughs> it had one of the best sequel setups at the end to me. <laughs> The sequel set up that was supposed to be a King Kong movie. Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> I think so, because they they, they get off the island. Yeah, the, they get on an island of monsters at the end. Right. After escaping from a ship that is being eaten by some sort of horrific giant squid monster. Yeah, big Kraken thingy, which was a neat with, with one, of, one, of, one of my favorite uh, terrible lines of horror movies. So what, it eats you? No, it drinks you. <laughs> I think it's kind of dumb. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> that's so bad. And uh, so, yeah, that uh, I I did enjoy this one a lot. I uh, and uh, you know, it it had a lot of stuff that I liked. Although, again, the time travel stuff, do not think about it too hard. Yeah. It does not make any sense. Yeah, it's we're we're just gonna keep it soft, and nobody's like disappearing from existence because, like, their parents didn't sleep together or anything. It's just... Regular wibbly-wobbly Doctor Who-level time travel stuff. With the title and and the the fog, I I was hoping for a sea monster episode, but time travel's okay. Even if it's just the Philadelphia experiment. Well, the good news is in the very next episode, we're going to get a sea monster in space. In space! That's not where sea monsters go. But there's always the sargasso of space. It works. That's where space monsters go. I mean, a lot lot of space movies are just sea movies. Yeah, they're submarine movies half the time. Again, like my joke about Event Horizon. Exactly. Well, that's a haunted house movie. Star Trek II Rathacon, that's pretty much just a submarine movie. Uh-huh. It's a really good submarine <laughs> and movie. Yet, and conversely, Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World, is pretty much just a Star Trek movie. Ooh, I haven't seen that. <laughs> oh, it's good. Okay. That's fair. Russell Crowe, Paul it. Bettany, uh, wooden Napoleonic ships, great movie. <laughs> Superior dad movie. <laughs> I see. But uh, anyway, I believe that now brings us to David's Tokusatsu Corner. Oh, yes. This week, our Ghostly Sentai, Die Ranger, the heroes are stark naked! Oh-ho. What? I can kind of just leave it there. <laughs> it's the end. Don't really need much else. Um, the Rangers were fighting a, a green Zaku-looking Cyclops monster guy. He grows big. They kill him. But he was Kaku, their ex-master Kaku's henchman follower guy, and Kaku's very mad because his Zaku friend dies in his arms. He's he's like, no, Rangers, you should disband. Hand over your your changing devices to me and your Lili balls and go away. And they're like, what? No, why? And he refuses to explain anything. So they just leave. He leaves. Like he's been having the guy stick like magic pole thingies in the roofs of two buildings for reasons, and he doesn't explain the reasons. Uh, oh, also at this point, Kaku finally says, "Yes, I am a Gorma. I was a Gorma centuries ago, but Gorma attacked Earth. I left them, and now I'm back with them." And they're like, "Wait, what? Why? You're go- you're Gorma, but you taught us chi. What? What is this entire war about?" <laughs> so, so they're angsting. 
Uh, Red has a flashback to, like, single-digit episodes when we found out his dad was basically Darth Vader of the Gorma. He was dressed in black armor, and they had to kill him. That's an aside. Uh, oh, uh, Kaku tells them to come to the rock quarry to have a fight. Hand over your balls and your devices. And then they asked him, it's like, okay, what, what's with the antennas? What, why'd you go to the Gorma? Why didn't you tell us you were a Gorma? It's like other questions. Every, every ranger has a question, and he, like, no, doesn't answer a shitting thing. It's like, no, I'm not explaining anything to you. Hand over the balls. They're like, why? And the, 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 he starts fighting. They have to attack him. The, the three Cenobite trio shows up to sit on the sidelines of the rock quarry and just giggle and have popcorn while this fight's going on. Kaku no-sells every one of their attacks. Like, it just does nothing. <laughs> Until they bring out the monster-killing Chi Bazooka, which knocks him backwards, and then he just stands back up and knocks dust off himself. It's like, okay, now it's my turn. And he blasts them. Knocks them all out of their suits, leaves them unconscious, takes their devices so they can't change anymore into rangers, just leaves them in a rock quarry, no explanation, no nothing. They're like, Kaku, why? And, and they are indeed stark naked? They are not naked. They're oh. naked of their ranger suits. They're naked to the oh. world. It's not That's literal. Boring. I, know. I thought I thought we were gonna have like like an Austin Power situation where like various props and like rocks are held up to block anything. No, if if you want to see that, you have to watch uh, '90s Common Rider or '2000s Common Rider. Because <laughs> they do that in in one very funny bit in Evangelion. Oh yeah, that's, that's one. Of I know funny bits in Evangelion. That it's not a thing that you're used to, but it happens. No, there there's some good comedy beats, and that that is probably the high point. The toothpicks. <laughs> but yeah, like no, I. I don't know if you're going to see naked man ass in any pa- any Super Sentai Power Ranger stuff. Common Rider, yes, there are episodes and seasons where you get to see man butt, like mm. to the point where it's running gags. Well, wow, that guy has a nice ass. <laughs> we missed that nice ass because that character died. R.I.P. that ass. But yeah, R.I.P. that ass. This entire episode is Kaku not explaining what the fuck he's doing and just beating up the rangers. It, it moves very quickly. Sounds good. Yeah, it, it, it's okay. It's interesting. Where we're ramping up to the end of the series, there's like four episodes left, I think. Something like yeah. that. So things will be explained eventually. Just not yet. I'm done. And where the hell are my notes for... Power Rangers. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this is the next episode of a wacky title. The Amazing Truth! Oh, I guess Kaku explains crap. Finally. (laughs) Someone finally explains what's going on. All right, so that is it for us for this week. We'll be back next week with more Transformers Rescue Bots. And... Until then, you can find us all over the internet. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, and we have a Patreon. Yes, we are hosted on Icon Underground, where we have a Patreon set up to help with hosting and other expenses. Uh, that can be found at patreon.com slash Icon Underground. Uh, I have people texting me. <laughs> my, my wrist dinging. Uh, 
this month in honor of the premiere of the very exciting She-Hulk Disney Plus show. Uh, we will be doing something else with She-Hulk in it. Uh, once again, we are going back to the less than spectacular Marvel animated output of the 90s uh, with the Incredible Hulk cartoon episode Doomed. Uh, where we are introduced to uh, Jennifer Walters of that particular setting. And uh, I'll just say that that I I am originally from Alabama and uh, I'm I'm that's not cousins. That's not how cousins work. Ha, have you ever seen anime? That's how cousins work. <laughs> We we will have a lot of uh, of fun things to say about that uh, that, that particular approach to to people being cousins and, and, by and, none other than Bob Forward. Yeah, it's got a it's got a certain approach to a lot of things. So please enjoy it while you can before <laughs> the three of us are all sentenced sentenced and shipped off to horny jail. <laughs> Break out the ball cameras. So for as little as a dollar a month, you can listen in on our special Patreon episodes. Uh, we do a lot of fun things along those lines. Uh, instead of watching Morbius, we also watched the episode of the 90s Spider-Man cartoon with Morbius. Felicia. Uh, <laughs> just add extra, like, you gotta add some extra syllables in there. It's just not right. But uh, that's my main complaint about the actual movie that I actually ended up getting from Redbox was you gotta have the ridiculous accent if you don't sound like Tommy Wiseau what are you even doing <laughs> so uh, that is over at patreon.com slash icon underground alright so until next time we deal with some unfinished business I'm Rob I'm Jen and I'm David